want to speak to you for a couple minutes uh, out of the Old Testament book in Joshua. We're going to continue our series on DNA. This is DNA part two. Last week we talked about knowing God. Our church name comes from the book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 32, the second part of the scripture. It says, but those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. Last week we talked about knowing God, encountering him. This week we're talking about becoming strong. In order to become strong, you have to find freedom. That's the only way you can really be strong is finding freedom. The Bible says that in our weakness, God is made strong. So that's the areas that we need encouragement or help or we need a push or, or we need someone. To, in those places of weakness, God becomes strong. If I'm going to become strong, I have to find freedom. So I want to talk to you about freedom today. We're going to go to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3 verse 1 says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites, how many people are morning people? They're like morning people. How many can't stand the morning? It's just it about 50-50 in here. I'm a morning guy. I, I, I love the morning. About 2 o'clock on, I'm useless. But if you get me before then, I, I'm, I'm on it. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the, that's an interesting name of a city right there. Cameron, can you sound that out for me? It's joking. That's a joke. It's a joke. Went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. This is really key. They camped before crossing over. There was a place that they camped before they crossed over to the promised land. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before, but keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Look at this correlation. Consecrate, and then God will do amazing things. Consecration, and then God begins to move. Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. I want to talk to you for just a couple minutes about this concept of freedom. True freedom. Now, I just want you to know right now, just, just from the outset, all right, you got to put your steel-toed boots on. Come on, step on your toes a little bit, all right? It's because I love you. Now, second thing you got to know is you just shouldn't put your boots on someone else next to you because this one's for you, all right? So we always think of the, oh, I wish so-and-so. Just today, just let today be about you. Be selfish for a minute. Let this message just go straight to you. It says that, that, that the people of Israel, they were camped at a place where they were about to cross over. Now, if you know the story, the Bible is leading the people of Israel out of slavery to a promised land. There's a land that's been promised. Now this is the second generation that has been trying to get to the promised land, and now Moses has died. Joshua has taken over. He's led them to the edge of the river. The Bible said the river was at flood stage. That's important. It was at its highest point. It was uncrossable. And they were there, and their promise was on the other side. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to think about where you're at right now. I want you to visualize. Some of you visual learners are going to enjoy this. Visualize a beautiful river at flood stage. Kind of treacherous. Not so pretty. And, 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 and just imagine that your freedom 
100% freedom. Your deliverance, 100% deliverance. I'm not talking like free in every area, financially, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Freedom is on the other side of that river. Now, now, now this is what happens for many of us is that we get stuck at the place we're camping. That God's got a promise on the other side of the river, but we're stuck in the place. We're stuck at the place of pain. We're stuck at the place of betrayal. We're stuck at the place of discouragement. We're stuck there. Now, I don't know if anybody loves camping. I like to camp. And um, now I gotta, I gotta specify what kind of camping I like. Because some of you are kind of like my brother because camping is like an everyday option for him. The north wind can be blowing. He'd be minus 22 and he says, oh, I think it's a good, good day to camp. For me, it's gotta be between about 60 degrees and 68. No bugs. Right equipment, and he has to be with me. Those are the conditions for me to camp. And then I love camping. Camping's incredible if you have the right conditions. Now he is just like a different, he's like a different breed, you know. He's just like he should be in the he should be living in the mountains somewhere, like on his on his own. I mean, just camping, it, it's good for him. Now, this is what I like about camping. This is one of the things I like. It's temporary. Like that's why that's why it's fun. You go out and camp and then you like like you leave. You go home to your bed air conditioning, you know what I'm talking about? The, the, I want you to think about this. For many of us, what is once or what was supposed to be originated as a camping expedition on the way to our promise has become a habitation. And at every campsite, it is centered around a lie that is believed. That, that, that's what keeps people camping. Do you know, do you know, why, do you know why people in marriages cheat on each other? It's not just because there's wild perversion and lust, although that's a part of it. You know what it really is? It's a lie that's believed. A lie that's believed that someone else is going to be better than what I have or who I'm with. It's a lie. Do you know why people commit suicide? It is not that they are just so possessed or so overcome. It is that there is a lie that's believed that for some reason that this world would be better off Without them, I know it's heavy, but this is the truth, that every place that there is a camping place, is, it's always, so let me just say this way, wherever you're stuck in life, it is centered around a lie. Now, this is the problem with the lie, is that it's only a lie to someone who knows the truth, because the person that believes the lie is not saying, I'm believing a lie. Once a lie is believed, it becomes truth. That's kind of scary, isn't it? I was praying this week and thinking about this. Well, that's scary because nobody, nobody's just saying, yeah, I'm living and I'm believing a lie. No, that's why they fight against you so much because they have believed the lie and now that lie has become truth. Therein lies the problem is what do we do? What do we do if I believe I have the truth, you believe you have the truth, they believe they have the truth, and I'm gonna let you know something. Our culture is all about you discovering your own truth. But I'm gonna tell you that that's a dangerous place to live. In a place and in a culture where whatever you say or whatever you believe or whatever you wake up like or whatever you feel like that day becomes truth. I'm going to tell you, whether I like it or not, the truth is the truth of the word of God. It doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Whether I like it, whether my theology lines up or not, that's the truth. Whether you like it, whether you line up with it, it's, it's the truth. And as a culture, we're in danger of just becoming such a 
whitewash, just flexible, believe anything culture that there is no truth. How do you, how, how do you expose lies if you don't have truth? We have to go to the word of God. We have to go to the word and find out what truth is. John chapter 8, verse 36. So it says, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That's the kind of freedom we're after, just so you know. It's not just free. It's not 98% free. It's not just partially free. We're going for the, we're going for the free indeed. I would say not many of us in this room have experienced the free indeed. I'm talking 100% free. I am free. Freedom is available. Freedom's available to everyone. Whoever is in Christ, freedom has become available to. And the way that we overcome the lies of the enemy is with the truth of God's word. So in order to get out of my camping spot and cross over to my promise, I have to begin to believe the word of God. God promises freedom, but it will require a crossing. For most of us, it's different stuff that we got to cross. There's different things. Some of us, it's small, but we got to cross. Some of us, it's massive. Some of us, it's unfair, but we have to cross. We can't stay where we are. We're going to know God, but we're going to become strong, which means we're going to find freedom, 100% freedom, all the way. We're going all the way in deliverance. In John chapter 8, Jesus is not talking to non-believers. He's talking to believers. So that means that believers can actually be in bondage. He wasn't talking to non-believers. He's talking to believers. He said, whoever the Son sets free, you will be free indeed. Emotional freedom, mental freedom, financial, whatever it is, freedom all the way. So I want to look at this Old Testament passage, and I want to really just give us a diagram for deliverance. A diagram for deliverance. It, uh, some steps in how we get to the other side. How do we get to our promise? The first thing, it's found in verse 3. It says this, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. This is how you begin deliverance. Follow presence. I gotta, I gotta be where he is. I gotta be in the house of God. I gotta be in the word of God. And I gotta be with the people of God. I gotta be in the house of God. I gotta be in the word of God. And I gotta be with the people of God. If you missed it, I'll give it to you again. I gotta be in the house of God. I gotta be in the word of God. And I gotta be with the people of God. I have to follow presence. I gotta be where he is. You know, you have good friends, encouragement around you, I'm sure, some type of support system, maybe a counselor, maybe a doctor. You got people that you, a pastor, a leader, they are good at telling you where you've camped, but bad at helping you cross over. People will be good at letting you know that there's a problem. Like, I mean, I, I can help you break your arm, I'll help you find out where you're camped. That bonus, well, that's broken. That's, that's, that's broken. Well, thank you. How do I fix it? People are good for identifying camping spots, but they're bad for helping us cross over. My Bible says, not by might, nor by power, but by my 
spirit. Some of the problems that we encounter are not natural. It's spiritual. It's called spiritual warfare. The Bible says we do not wage war as the world wages war. That our battle is not against flesh and blood. That's us, each other. Our battle is against principalities and rulers of this dark age, which means there is a spiritual battle that's taking place, and we need spiritual help. We need supernatural power in order to help us. You cannot defeat a spiritual problem with a natural solution. I love doctors. We have doctors that go to our church. I love counselors. I got counselors that go to our church. We've got therapists that go to our church, and we love them, and we believe in what they do. Their, their job is secondary to God's job. All of them are needed, but the first response is I go to God, because if this is spiritual warfare, we're dealing with this thing. How do you know if it's spiritual warfare? It's things that don't go away. It's called patterns. Patterns of insecurity. Patterns of illness. I hear people say this. Well, my dad died young. I'll probably die young. It's a, it's a, it's a mind. You are camping around a lie. My Bible says I will live and not die to proclaim the works of the Lord. That needs to begin to come out of your mouth. Instead of I might die like he died. No, I will live and I will declare. The, it, you're, you're pivoting. I'm following presence. I'm identifying patterns. Because where there's patterns, where there's patterns of sin. It's spiritual. Everybody's going to sin. Everybody's going to mess up. But where there's a pattern, you can't get free. You can't break the habit. You can't break the addiction. It's spiritual. I know this is heavy, but this is the truth. This is the truth. It's a spiritual battle. If something or someone is keeping you from the Lord, his word, or his people, you might have some bondage. I, I'm, I'm going to let you know, our world is really jacked up. I mean, you probably know this already, but it's interesting to me that I live for Jesus and I can't talk about it. But everybody else that doesn't live for Jesus or doesn't like the church or doesn't like religion, or doesn't, then they can just say whatever they want. And whenever I stand up for my opinion, I'm a bigot. What, whatever happened to tolerance? Does it only go one way? Do, do we not? I mean, does it not work? But what if, what, wouldn't it be respectable for me to have a, a savior and believe in a God that's in his son to save my life? And now I go to a church with a community of people that help lift that name up and move me forward. I'm bettering my life. That's what the culture is talking about, how to better your life. It's working for me. Why can't it be my truth? Because it only works. It only works one way. And when people begin to pull you away from the Lord, from his word, or from the church, I'm telling you, it's spiritual. That's not natural. It's spiritual. Follow presence. The second one is found in verse 5. It says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. So this, this, this is the second one. I have to consecrate myself. Consecrate yourself. This consecration meant to separate themselves from anything that would defile them. Just, just think about it. Anything that's a negative voice in your life that's pulling you down or pulling you towards bondage, you're going to have to probably separate. Anything that begins to defile you or if, let me just say this way. If this thing is keeping you from freedom, you should separate yourself from it. Well, pastor, I can't even, I can't even run my business without my phone. Would you like your marriage or do you want your phone? That's, I'm, I'm serious. At some point, we have to make hard decisions. 
We try to manage sin. We try to manage dysfunction. Say, it'll be all right. It won't happen again. It's a pattern, sir. It's a pattern, ma'am. It's a, it's, it's a cycle of dysfunction. And God wants you and loves you so much that he wants you free. And freedom is available. It's available for everybody. But, but there has to be some type of consecration. I, I have to set myself apart. What you don't overcome, you will have to be content to live with. God, take it away. Take it away. Take it away. God didn't take it away. He gave you two feet. Gave you two hands, gave you a brain, walk away. God, take it away. No, walk away. Just get, get, get out of there. Change jobs if you have to. Well, it's a well-paying job. Is it worth your kid's life? No, you got you to gotta weigh out your priorities. If there's an area that is keeping you from the promise that God has for you, you have to consecrate yourself. You have to set. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about rules. I'm talking about loving Jesus. I'm talking about being so in love with him that anything that deters me or detracts me or distracts me, I have to get rid of it so I can focus. I can focus on him. I, I have a little bit of a problem. I'm a clean freak. Like, I like things clean. Like, I have a bad habit of, 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 of doing this whenever I walk by something just because I want to. I just want to see, you know, I just want to see. I like to do that in my counters in my house and just see. Like, I don't like breadcrumbs on my counter. Like, it's like, let's clean up, you know? Like, what are we doing here? I like to walk barefoot in my house and have nothing stick on my feet. You know what I'm talking about? I don't want to have to, like, arm myself in my house. You know, like, like I, want it, I want it clean. I like things clean. Man, it's nice. It's just peaceful, isn't it? It's peaceful when things are clean. My, my boys, they, they love toys, like most kids. But these toys are different. Back in the day, we had good toys. You remember that? Like we had good toys. We were playing Tonka trucks, whatever. Now they sell like these slime eggs with a hidden dinosaur. <laughs> and my boys are like, oh, it's amazing, slime. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, my carpet, oh, my God. Like, and there's like a little dinosaur. And then they're like, so cool. <laughs> right? So, so I have, I, I kind of, I have a little strategy, which um, James out of town, so I, I can tell you, because it's, it's a hidden, it's a, it's a family strategy. No, it's, it's my own strategy. No one else knows about it except for you now that I'm telling you. Please don't tell her. But every couple weeks, I just kind of like go through and just like collect. Now, this is not right because it's not being a good steward. But I just, just collect a bag full of stuff. I just throw it away. <laughs> nah, I mean, it's just like sometimes you just got to clean the house. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's, it's, you can't manage all this stuff. It's like let's just minimize. Let's just throw it away. I know there's kids that probably love those toys. I got it. I got it. I'm not a good steward in that area. But I got, I got to do this undercover. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the problem is my youngest son, Genesis, he, he like has like this photographic memory of his toys. Hey, Daddy, where's that one teddy bear with the missing eye and half the arm got chewed off by the... I'll, uh, that, one, that was gone about three months ago, bro. I mean, he'll remember. Sometimes you got to have spring clean in the winter. Sometimes you got to spring clean in the sump. Like, whenever, whenever the house gets cluttered, you need a spring cleaning, spiritually. Some of our lives are so cluttered with stuff. I'm telling you, you just got to clean it out. Man, sometimes you got to clean out your followers on social media. Just, just, just do some spring cleaning. Just be careful. People get offended about that stuff. Like, you just got to do some spring cleaning. Just, just kind of like, 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 just get it out of there because, because you've got to preserve. You have to preserve your heart and your freedom. There's nothing that's worth your freedom. 
There's nothing that's worth your freedom. The second, or the last thing, I love this. I'm going to call it step into it. you got to step into it. It says in verse 8, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now, some of you know this story, but this is crazy. The Jordan River is at flood stage, and if you were going to try to cross it, you're probably going to call some of your toughest, meanest people. You're going to call your warriors. You're going to call your soldiers. And Joshua's like, where's the priests? Priests are kind of like musicians, all right? Like, you're not calling them when you go to battle, all right? I'm not trying to knock myself either, but I'm saying I go camping when Ryan goes with me. I'm fierce camper if he's, if he's with me. But I'm not the guy you call when your car breaks down. I'm just telling you. So Joshua calls the priest. He says, you guys go first. Take the presence and go and stand in the river. Now, this is crazy. God asked them to stand in the thing that could overtake them and the thing that's keeping them from the other side. He says, go stand in it. But God knew that if they took the step of obedience to stand in it, that he supernaturally would stop it. Most of us never break camp because we're waiting for the water to recede. But God said, the key to the water receding is in your step. That if you would, I'm not telling you to get over stuff. There's a difference. I'm not telling you to get over it. Get over it says, I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I don't have a problem. I'm not in unforgiveness. And you just, you just get over it. You're not feeling sad. Get over it. You're not discouraged. That's get over it. Step into it is, I recognize I'm discouraged. I recognize that I don't want to live right now. I recognize that I want to do this or I want to do that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step into it. I, I grew up playing baseball. All my life played baseball. I mean, just baseball, baseball, baseball. Just consumed everything. I lay in bed at night, play catch with myself with my glove. And I'm, I'm, I just I sleep with my baseball glove. And, and I'm playing baseball all the time. I beat up the side of the house with a tennis ball, bouncing it off, fielding ground. I mean, just baseball, baseball, baseball. And I had a coach, a really good coach when I was young. And, and he, he, t- he told me, because I, I had a problem, is that sometimes I wouldn't step into my swing. And he said, Dustin, you'll never swing with power if you don't learn to step into it. That all your power in baseball is in your, it's in your, it's in your step. That if you, don't, if you don't step into it, there's no step, there's no power. Even when a curveball is coming at you and it's hanging high and you want to bail out. Anybody who's played baseball knows this. You got you to tuck and you got, it's a step. I got to step into it. That's, that, can be, that can be your best hit. So when that thing hangs right up there, you tuck, the, I'm just reliving it now. It's, you tuck the shoulder and then it's, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a step. You gotta step into it. What many of us do is we wait. Oh God, kill them. Oh wait, I'm the only one that prayed that. My bad. My, wrong, wrong crowd. Okay. Lord, deliver me. Yeah, whatever it is. It's a joke. My my deliverance. It's in my step. See, we look at we look at the, the offense. It's too big, God. It's at flood stage. I can't cross it. He says, step into it. You look at, the, uh, you, you look at the sickness. It's too big, God. And he says, step into it. You look at the relational breakdown. It's too big. He says, step into it. Get over it? No. Recognize what you feel. I feel sad. I feel betrayed. I feel discouraged. But I'm not camping here. I'm not. How long are we going to stay there? 
I mean, for real. Like, how long are we going to stare at the promise? Stare at the promised land. Stare at freedom. It's right there. God's waiting on your step. And you think, I'll never be able to do it. I'll never be able to forgive them. And then you step, and God already knows that if you step, he'll stop the water. And what was once very difficult actually becomes easy. And you be, the Bible says that they all crossed over on dry land. You will never cross it if you won't step into it. You'll never cross whatever it is for you. It's different for each of us. We'll never cross it if we don't step into it. You will never experience true freedom until you have, to have the faith to step into the thing that is holding you captive. You know what we want to do is we want to run from the thing that's holding us captive. We want to, okay, I'll never trust again. I'm never going to trust again. And God says, no, no, no. If you're going to get over it, you, you have to step into it. I know it's difficult. I know it doesn't feel good. I know it's uncomfortable. But you are going to have to step. Now, I know many of us were like, man, that's good. Oh, that's good for those people that are in bondage. You know, I'm talking about like those, you know, everybody knows. The, man, I wish so-and-so was here. No. Again, we talked about this in the beginning. This one's for you. You, can, you get to be selfish today. I was loving Jesus, pastoring this church, loving my wife, loving my family, spending time in prayer every day. I'm talking, being with God, loving him, and I was struggling with anxiety. It's years ago. I mean, I'm talking like, I don't even like to talk about it because I'm like, man, you know, I'm just one of those guys just like, man, you just come on. Just, just, you're all right. You'll be okay. But I'd be getting ready to preach, and I'd start to shake. My heart would start to beat like I was about to, like just got done running a race. Everyone knows it. Anxiety knows what this is. Heat would start to go up my neck, like up my neck and up in my ears. I would feel it. I'd feel lightheaded, like maybe I was going to pass out. And I, there was nothing, nothing I could do. Sometimes anxiety is involuntary. It's just, it just like it, it, it hits you. Some of y'all nod your head like, yeah, I, I, I know. Like, like I, I, I felt it. I never felt this type of anxiety before, this type of stress before it was, it, made, it, was, it was starting to really affect me. And then once it starts to affect me, then I start thinking, like, is there something wrong with me? Or, like, am I sick? Or did I do something wrong? Or, like, why, why am I dealing with this? Why, why? And then you're ashamed. Because you don't, anybody ever, feel, like, I don't want to tell anybody, like, I'm feeling, like, why am I feeling anxious? I'm so blessed. God loves me. I know he loves my family. Like, I, I'm so blessed. I, I got y'all. Like, I'm so, like, why, why am I feeling anxious? And I was driving in my car one day, and I felt, I felt the Holy Spirit just begin to start speaking to me. And in that moment, now listen, this is different for every person. So I'm not telling you this is going to be your experience. This is just my experience. I'm just telling you my story. This is my experience. I, I think you should, there's all kinds of natural things you can do to overcome stress and overcome anxiety and all of those things. Like, and I'm not knocking any of those. I'm telling you what happened to me. What happened to me is, is I, I was starting to worry. I was starting to feel these things. I couldn't get over it. I was starting to get discouraged, starting to get upset. I'm driving my car. The Holy Spirit begins to speak to me and says, how, how long? How long are we going to camp out here? I'm like, well, it's not my choice. You ever felt like that? Like, I didn't choose this. And I said right there. In my car, driving right on one of these roads in Allen, I can tell you right where I was. And I said, that's it. I will not be anxious anymore. Now, I know some of you are like, it's not that easy. I know it's not. I know it's not. But I'm going to tell you something. There are some things that are natural and there's some things that are spiritual. To me, it was spiritual. It was a spiritual attack. I needed spiritual authority. I said, I will not be anxious 
any longer. The peace that passes all understanding will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. This anxiety is broken now. And I'm going to tell you, something broke. Now, I can't tell you I never got stressed again. Never been stressed. I got stressed. But I never felt anxiety the same way that I felt anxiety. I've never felt it again the way that I felt it then. I'm talking like some bad, some bad feelings. It's God. He was broken. And some of you are like, well, I want that to be my experience. Some, everyone deals with things differently, and it might be natural. It might be a natural thing for you. You might need to change your rest pattern, your diet. You might need to see a doctor. You might, like, uh, but for me, it was spiritual. And I'll tell you what, I don't know if it's spiritual or natural. Go spiritual first. Always go spiritual first. If it's still there, then use the help that God's provided to move you forward and make a bridge over to your promise. But don't stay camped. Don't stay in it. Don't set up a house where you should be crossing over. There's freedom on the other side. There's a promise on the other side. A couple years ago, I had another situation come up, and, and, uh, and I, was, I was struggling. I hate to admit it, but it's true. Eat all of us. Loving Jesus, loving the church, loving my wife, loving my family, loving what God called us to. And I hit this situation. And honestly, it got me. It broke my heart. It made me sad. And I started letting thoughts come in my mind that I don't usually come in my mind. And I was just a little bit discouraged. And I, I tried to do everything the right way. I just tried to like, you know, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to be the bigger man. I'm going to bless. I'm going to do all these things. But over here, just on the side, just a little, little bit over here, just like, just like 1%, I just had this little thing of unforgiveness. I was loving, and I was, man, I was choosing the high road, and I was just right up. Just, just hidden. Just nobody, nobody knew. Just like a little bit of unforgiveness. Just like, that ain't right. It's not right. Not right what they did. It's not right. It's not my, my justice thing came out, which is a lot of times pride. It's not right. Shouldn't have happened to me. It's got, just, just over here. And I was in my office and I was praying. Man, prayer is dangerous. It's dangerous. Holy Spirit started convicting me. Speak to me. Literally just talking to me like, Dustin, how long are you gonna, how long are you gonna chill on this side of the river? You plan on staying there for the rest of your life? Or you, did you wanna did you wanna cross over and be free? Or you just you're cool, you're cool on this side. And I know better. I know better. I teach this stuff. And I'm like, wait a second, what am I doing? I can't have unforgiveness hidden over here in my heart I can't have that 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 place of darkness and sin that's what it is sin sin in my life so I said Lord I'm not staying here and I begin in my office out loud I said I forgive so and so and I forgive so and so and I forgive so tells you how long the list was <laughs> I wasn't trying to give that part away but I forgive I forgive, I for, but I didn't stop there because sometimes we stop there. I didn't stop there. God wasn't done with me yet. And then I started to bless him. I said, Lord, would you bless so-and-so? 
God, would you bless their marriage? Would you bless their jobs? Lord, everywhere they go, let them find good community. Let them find friends. Let them find, bless their kids. Let them serve you. God, let them honor you. I started, and, and, and what, was, what was once forced became so fluid and became so real. If you would have told me on this side of the river that I would actually feel like blessing, I would have said, I don't know if you know that the river's at flood stage. But on this side of the river, it was real. And I began to cry out to God. I began to put their names in my mouth before the Lord. Say, God, bless them. Make a way for them. Provide for them. Let pour out your spirit on them. Let them encounter you. Let them love you. Something broke in me. Something. I was well-meaning. I was loving God. But I wasn't 100% free. That's what today is all about. It's just about being 100% free. Nobody in here has a bad heart, an evil heart. But I don't want you to get stuck at a camping spot when you can cross over into the promise that God has for you. What's that promise? He who the sun sets free will be free. Oh, you remember that part? Indeed. Well, if you ask me, Pastor, are you free? I, I would have looked straight in your eyes and said, yes, I am. But you needed the follow-up question. The follow-up question is, are you free indeed? You know how quick we are to answer? Of course. Of course we love Jesus. Of course we're honor the Lord. Of course we're free. Stop. Think about it. Are you free indeed? No, I'm not, Lord. I got this little pocket of unforgiveness. I got to give it to you. Man, I got this place of anxiety. You know what that place of anxiety is? Trying to control things that only God can control. God, I give it to you. I feel the power of God in this room. God wants to set us free. I'm telling you, he wants to set you free. His heart for you is love. His heart for you is grace. His heart for you is forgiveness. His heart for you is compassion. And he wants us free. He wants us free. Check out the scripture, John chapter 8, verse 32. A couple scriptures before one of the ones we read earlier. It says, then you will know the truth. And the truth. Why are we camped right here? We're camped around a lie. If I trust again, they'll hurt me again. It's a lie. It's the truth will set you free. What? It's the truth. Do you know what the Bible says? He is true. Jesus, you are my truth. You are my truth. If I can know you, you will set me free. That's how you become strong. You don't become strong by trying to be strong. You become strong by finding the freedom that only comes through God. Only comes through Jesus who loves and gave his life. And when you find that freedom, friend, it'll flip your life upside down. We're crossing over. We are not a camping church. We're a crossing church. We're not a staying church. We're a progressive church. We will not be stuck in yesterday's trauma and yesterday's pain and yesterday's abuse. We're crossing over with love and grace and forgiveness and blessing. We're stepping into the promise that God has for us. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.